don't call it a comb back, I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, Grab girl? my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. The world is run by computers. The world is run by robots. And sometimes they ask us if we're a robot just because we're trying to log on and look at our own stuff. This is the Press Box. I didn't know that. If you keep having me sign in and saying, are you a robot? I got to pick out like the stoplights. I got to pick out the freaking trees. I got to pick out all these crosswalks. I just want to know when my damn Dodger gear is on the way, all right? With Grainy and Bischoff. Passwords have passed. You've correctly guessed. But now it's time for the robot test. On ESPN Las Vegas. I was picking out cars last night, and I forget what it was about. Oh, my uh, God. How do you do this so often? How does this come up in your life this often? It, it was perfect. Uh, I got all the cars, and uh, it let me in on the first try. I, I don't. I mean, it's last <laughs> night, so I have no idea what the hell I was doing, but I was picking out cars anyway. It's Ed Tyler is back, and Jared, instead of cars and lampposts, will start out with some VGK. The first bite. Should Minnesota be considered one of the good teams in the West? I would say good, yes. They're certainly fun to watch. That was a really fun game to watch last night. A lot of crazy things happening. So good, yes, Tyler. Great, I don't know. I know uh, they've gotten better of late, but old Capo and Cam Talbert, I think they're still maybe a little less uh, in goal than other teams, maybe like the Knights, but they were fun to watch, man. I, I don't know about great, but I think they're pretty good. Yeah, I think it, ultimately at the end of the year, they're going to be a tier below Vegas and Colorado. And maybe they're in the same tier with St. Louis by the end of the season, which is better than what we'd expected. But right now, I mean, they're, if you take points percentage wise, they have the second best record in the West. And had they held on to a four, two lead last night, Minnesota would have been in first place right now in the West. Um, But what's, what's interesting about the game last night, is because of the Golden Knights' comeback, because they decided to erase a 4-2 lead in the final eight minutes and then win it in overtime, we kind of just forget about the first 50 minutes of that game. But the first 50 minutes of that game, Minnesota led 4-2. Vegas uh, had not scored at 5-on-5. The Golden Knights didn't have a shot in the third period for over 11 minutes when trailing by two. Like, it... It genuinely felt like about 10 minutes to go in the third period, Minnesota is going to be a problem. Like, it really felt like that. Now, again, the comeback kind of makes you forget about it because the comeback was phenomenal. And the last eight and a half minutes, the Golden Knights just dominated that game. Uh, but the first 50 minutes, I, that's what I'm curious, is they're going to play again on Wednesday and then six more times after that. What was more indicative of what's to come? Like, Because if that 50 minutes is what's indicative of what's to come, Minnesota's absolutely a problem for the Golden Knights and could absolutely be a problem in the playoffs if the Golden Knights have to play them. Yeah, and it just and – and I know you have a, here in the uh, the rundown, we were talking about this before the game last night. Look, it's, it's strange because you're not talking about a team that's won the Cup or anything like that, and obviously faces change, you know, each year to, to a certain level. But they just struggle against this team, and we're going to talk about Flurry's numbers. And you know, sometimes in sports, there's just that team that you really can't explain it. They're usually pretty good. 
But you look in the mirror, it's like, you know, how can they continue to, you know, have so many problems? And they have not played well against Minnesota. Now, Minnesota gets some credit for that. They've been really good against the Knights since 2017 when the Knights came in. But if you watch last night, I think these next seven might kind of be the same way where, you know, they're, they if they win, they're going to maybe struggle a little, beat them, or they might even lose some of them. I mean, they're going to lose some of these games. They're not going to sweep that team. But, um, yeah, it just it just we talked about that last night. It just seems it's weird when they play them that for whatever reason, they struggle against these guys. Normally, I, I don't think you'd put too much into that because, you know, hell, the Golden Knights roster has changed a ton each year because they always seem to add the biggest name they can possibly add. But even Minnesota, Minnesota's roster has had a, a big revamp from last year to this season. But for whatever reason, the Golden Knights still seem to struggle against Minnesota. So I don't, I don't know that you can really project into the future, like if these two teams were to meet in the playoffs, that, uh-oh, this is a team the Golden Knights struggle with. Because I, I do think, ultimately... Vegas is going to be better than Minnesota at the end of the year. That the Golden Knights are going to be a better team like they have in the past, but it might be a matchup that that is a problem for them. And I'll, I'll say this about Minnesota: what's what's kind of fascinating about them? If you look at their season-long stats, they are uh, last in the West in Corsi. They do not create a lot of shots, but they're second in the West in expected goals percentage, only behind Colorado. So they're a team that, in general. Doesn't create a lot of shots, but does create a lot of great chances. So, like, they're kind of fascinating from that regard, because normally you're not last in Corsi and second in expected goals. Like, there's normally that not that big of a discrepancy between those two stats. So, they're a fascinating team, and I'm, I, like, I'm curious, like, how, how high can they finish in the seeding? Because I think there's a chance... They could finish ahead of St. Louis in the in the standings at the end of the year, and they're they're the three seed instead of the four seed. And if you get the two, you got to play Minnesota. So I, I yeah. I'm fascinated to see where where Minnesota ends up and how the Golden Knights perform against them in the next seven games because it's it's not a team that you like if we're talking, hey the Golden Knights and their goal is to win the Stanley Cup. Who's going to stop them from doing that? Colorado's the team that jumps out. Minnesota, we we've never really said oh Minnesota's the team that's going to knock them out, but I don't think it's that crazy to think, hey, first round of the playoffs, if they get matched up with Minnesota, oh, Golden Knights are going home in seven. They couldn't get past Minnesota. That's not the craziest thing to imagine right now. No, I mean, different teams last year, but I think people were surprised what happened against Dallas. I mean, when you get to that point in seven games, you don't know. And, you know, I agree that it shouldn't be, you know, year to year with rosters changing, but and it shouldn't be this way at this level with as much as guys accomplished to even get to this level. But I also wonder if there's just a tad bit of in the you know in their heads. You know, when when they play these guys, it's always written and talked about as all oh, you struggle against them, especially Flurry. Like, I mean, Dave Shane had a great uh, tweet last night that this is his bogey. I mean, he you know it's under nine under nine hundred on a save percentage. He for whatever reason uh, they score on Flurry, and like I said, I agree that maybe that you know it's year to year and it's different. But you you sometimes wonder is it in a guy's head? I mean, even someone like him and all he's accomplished. That a goalie at that level like him, he probably knows every team he's ever played against in terms of how he's played, his percentage, what they've done against him. He knows for sure that he hasn't played well against Minnesota. So I just wonder sometimes if that creeps into heads in terms of, you know, I don't play well against these guys. I mean, it probably shouldn't given where he's at in his career, but you never know. He'd never admit that. But I always wonder if that has something to do with the fact that, you know, his numbers are what they are against Minnesota. 
All right, Ed, are we giving credit to the fans? 2,600 in, in attendance. Are they the reason uh, the Golden Knights came back and won? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> hey, look, it, it, I was there. They were loud when they should have been loud. Uh, they weren't very loud when Minnesota had four second-period goals, which obviously you don't expect them to be. For 26.05, I don't know how they snuck those five in there. I guess the health district won't be happy today because it announced 26.05. I don't know who those five stragglers were that actually got in. Um the difference in a win, I'm not so sure about that. I just think that, you know, uh, the Golden Knights, like you said, the last eight minutes dominated. Stone was unbelievable. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, it, it's better than – it's a beginning and it's better than it was. I'll just leave it at that. They, they were loud. Obviously, they were excited to be back. Um, maybe when it's 4-4, you know, they go crazy and everything. It kind of propels you into overtime. But uh, I just – I think it's a good beginning for them to have people back. I thought it was it was good to have uh, people back in the arena – and, um, you know, they were, they were loud when they needed to be. There's no question about that. So, okay, because noise-wise, that was my question for you. Because I watching on TV, you, you couldn't hear them. And maybe right. that's AT&T Sportsnet's, you know, sound mixing wasn't, you know, there to make the crowd loud. But, like, the, the sounds of the actual ice, skates and sticks and pucks, was much louder than any fans you could hear or couldn't hear mm -hmm. on watching it on TV. So I was curious how loud they actually were. Yeah, I mean, they, they were loud. I mean, I guess, you know, it's silly to say they're as loud as 2,600 people could be. I mean, because, you know, you usually have 18,000 in there, and it's just such a huge, huge difference. I think the players, they came out in the beginning, you know, they clapped for them on their first lap. They, you know, they raised their sticks. Stone afterwards was a madman when he came out as their first star and, 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 uh, and uh, uh, you know, pumping his fist. I think the players want to believe that they made a huge difference. Maybe they did in their minds, but it's still 2,600 people in an 18,000 seat arena. I mean, they, 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 I thought it was good energy. The people that were there, no question had energy. They were glad to be back, excited to be back. Um, it's just, you know, it's not 18,000 people at the end of the day. I did enjoy Mark Stone after he, oh, got he was the a mad man. Of the game. That's that, 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 that was probably the best part of the game. That, yeah. that was, that was better than his five assist was him was going crazy while skating around saluting 2,600 people, yeah. which by the way, Mark Stone, he had one assist in his previous five games. Yeah. And then he had five last night. Like there was legitimately, I think it was fair to be a little bit concerned. Like Mark Stone against Colorado had one assist in those four games. Like yeah. the team you're most likely to have to beat to get out of the West and into the final four Mark Stone was, was kind of a no-show offensively. And granted, this game doesn't erase that, but five assists is absurd. And five primary assists, primary assists. is unbelievable. Because um, here's the thing. Hockey assists can be pretty brutal. Like those secondary assists, like we talk about goals being dumb sometimes where oh. Chandler Stevenson scoring it with his back or somebody shoots yeah. it off his skate and it goes in. Somebody got a secondary assist yeah. on both of those goals. So... Secondary assists can be pretty stupid, but primary assists are, are normally yeah. solid. And Mark Stone had five of them. And three of those goals, like Alex Tuck's to tie the game, right. that was like Alex Tuck, he's in position, he gets his stick on it. But Mark Stone's pass was more impressive. Same with right. Cody Glass's power play goal. Same power with play, Max yeah. Pacioretty's game winner in overtime. Yeah. All three of yeah. those plays, the pass was more impressive than the shot. The goal was created by Mark yeah. Stone, even if he's not the one that scored. Like... That's unbelievable from him, yeah. and that's kind of, you know, to go back to the Colorado series, that's kind of what you're looking around saying, that's what you want Mark Stone to do against the best yeah. team. Maybe not five assists in one game, but you're looking for those types of plays against the best team in the West. So that to, to go back to Colorado, that's why it's a concern, because that's what you're sort of expecting Mark Stone to do. Yeah.
Yeah, they give secondaries to dudes who have left the ice and gone into the locker room. I mean, those things sometimes you're like, was that guy even in the play? But uh, uh, Stone is just, I mean, last night, man, he is so calm and under control and, and, and patient with what he does. Uh, a perfect example was the game winner. He's so patient to the last second. Um, he was he was great last night. I mean, he was like you said, those three or four of them uh, were just were just him, and they just have to finish. And, and if you don't finish, it's on you because he puts it right where he should. So yeah, I I thought he's great. You know, he, you know he hadn't played well, and I think there was people out there saying, hey, what's going on? You know, needs to be Mark Stone. You know, if this is who he is, um, and we'll see going forward. But he was really good last night, and uh, I'm always amazed at how under control he appears. He never appears rushed with anything. Um, he just seems so under control with what he does. Uh, they needed all five last night, man. Um, that, that was a, uh, you know, that was it was an exciting game to watch. I I thought Minnesota. I don't think they're as fast as Colorado, but they look pretty fast uh, uh, in transition and going up and down the ice. I just seven more of those will be fun because I do think Minnesota. Um, gives them somewhat issues and you know not many teams you you know you said it last week there's just not that many teams in this division that's going to give them issues colorado minnesota you know st louis to a point that you know they haven't been great lately but the other teams they're just you know you can show up and with the golden knights and play you know nearly not your best game and still win so it is cool when you see these kind of games last night it's like all right they're gonna have issues with this team and you know let's see how they respond to them you know what mark stone did last night though that was more important than anything he saved the gold helmets. Oh no! There's no if they lost last night. There's no chance they're wearing those again, right? They would have, they would have actually had to get I, rid I, of them if they if they went zero and three mean, in them and lost that game. Like imagine if they didn't score when it was four two with eight minutes to go. Right? They um, lose that game four to two. It's a dejecting loss because they didn't play very well. Like they're not wearing them again, right? They're finally saying we give uh, up on these because we're zero and three. I don't know. Do they sell them in the armory? Because if they sell them in the armory, they're continuing to play. Because if those things if those things are being sold at the price I probably think they're being sold at, they're going to keep them on. Wouldn't that be the worst selling item in the history of the Golden Knights team store? I don't. I mean, nobody you know. likes them. Like it's, no. the, it's uh, the, there's a couple people out there if you watch Twitter okay. who like them. Seven people like them. That's it. <laughs> The the only thing hated more than the gold helmets is them partnering with you pick trade wow. out of Mexico. Yes, yes. Those are the only I mean, two things they've ever done was, that everybody hates. Since 2017, the gold helmets you thought you thought was going to be like the one <laughs> chink in the armor, and then they partnered with a tout service. Like, man, the gold helmets just really aren't that bad compared to that. <laughs> All right, coming up next, uh, we'll jump into some comments from Adam Silver about NBA expansion that makes it sound like they won't be coming to Las Vegas anytime soon. They look like it again, Doris. You have to know when to come. So Chris does a great job. Giannis comes from behind and gets a piece of it. Like, it's not just when you come. Like, it's it's how hard you come. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia. Come see a Kia on West Sahara. When is the NBA coming to Vegas? How hard are they going to come to Vegas? That's the important question. Uh, Adam Silver, though, he talked to the Associated Press over the weekend, and he was actually trying to pump up uh, how how right he was about having an all-star game because his his logic uh, was that because there was so much fan voting 
for the All-Star game that it meant they were doing the right thing by having the All-Star game. <laughs> okay. Why does one have to do it the other? I mean, I don't know. Those people, those people voting are just going to watch it on television. They're not going to the game. So <laughs> it's not like I thought, hey, if I vote for this thing, I might be one of the lucky fans who get tickets to it. There are no fans. So it doesn't, one doesn't have anything to do with the other way. That is absolutely, I, he, he doesn't usually say stupid things. He's usually like, you know, of all the commissioners, you don't usually say that about him. He's usually on point, whether you agree or disagree with him. I mean, he's usually on point with stuff. That statement makes absolutely no sense in the world. What does so, that mean? What, what we really wanted to talk about with Adam Silver, though, was expansion. Because he gave another quote about expansion. Back in December, he sort of brought up NBA expansion, said it's on that they dusted off the plans to take a look at it. Uh, and now he's kind of backtracking a little bit because he said it was not under active consideration before the pandemic. Certainly during the pandemic, as I've mentioned, we've dusted off some of the plans that we previously looked at for potential expansion, but it remains on the back burner and it would not be appropriate to expand right now, given where our focus is on trying to work through this season. All our attention is on getting the business back to being fully operable as quickly as possible. So when we look at Las Vegas and Seattle as potential NBA expansion franchises, uh, what do you make of that quote and how long it would take for the NBA to actually do, uh, add an expansion team? I mean, I, I I understand the quote. I understand that the world changed. In fact, it's, uh, I think, this weekend, maybe Saturday, when Gobert uh, uh, started all of it and kind of the sports world came to a stop. And every, we've known everything that's happened since then. So I get it where he says this is probably the last thing we should be talking about right now. Um until we get you know a, a full season in and everything gets back to normal, I'm not so sure that I believe it was not under active consideration. I think that stuff is always under active consideration. Now there's levels to that. There's active consideration where they're about to get an you know make a decision to get a get someone to come in with the money, and there's also hey one day we want to do this. We've got to open up more markets, make more money. But if he's saying that you know it has to be delayed now because what's happened. I'm certainly not going to give them a hard time on that. I mean, you know, the last year's been crazy for everyone financially. So I think they just want to get back to normalcy. And then I, I think expansion will be back on the table. So here's what doesn't make sense about the timeline is he says that basically the pandemic is what's causing them to, to consider it more. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is NBA the owners money. have not made as much money as they're used to making. They right. don't have the same revenue because there aren't fans in the building. And so... Because of that, how do you make that money up? Well, if we sell two franchises for $3 billion each, every owner gets, you know, a couple hundred million dollars. Right. So that's the reason they would consider doing it right now. But Adam Silver is saying they're not going to consider it right now because they're trying to get through this season. To me, that the reason that doesn't make sense is if, if you wait two, three, four years we're not even going to remember the pandemic as far as the NBA goes. Like are, are owners really going to, if their if their goal is to recoup money that they didn't earn during the pandemic, are they really going to wait four or five years to try to make that back before doing expansion? Like if the whole point of, of expansion right now is to recoup money lost during the pandemic, then you do it right now because you want that expansion fee right now. You don't want it eight years from now. You want it now. So that's the part of the timeline that I, I don't quite understand what Adam Silver is saying. And so to me, when I read that quote a couple of times, like the optimistic thing I take away from it is him saying, 
they want to get through this season and be fully operable as quickly as possible, which to me says they want to get through a season where games are being postponed because of COVID, and they want to get back to a point where fans are back in the stands. Once they get those two things done, then I think they might go straight into expansion because the owners are going to be looking around saying, okay, where's this $200, $300 million check we should all be getting from expansion? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... It makes sense in, in that in that way because again, like you said, it's easy money. It's free money uh, when you expand and you just get a check in the mail. So that's one way to bring back um, uh, a lost revenue that you'll probably never earn back from the pandemic. Um, I again, I do think that he needs. I think they want to get through this season. Toronto had another pause the other day. Um, I, I think that they want to get through one full season. Like you said, if if they can get through the playoffs and have have their finals. Yeah, it wouldn't be surprising if right away they said, let's look at this, and this is how we you know, make back money that we've lost. Because the, the other part of expansion is it takes time. Like, even if the NBA oh, announced, yeah. they announced today, yeah. Las Vegas and Seattle, you guys are getting teams 31 and 32 in the NBA. Those teams aren't going to play until, like, 2023, 2024 at the earliest. and At the earliest. The way most leagues do expansion is they don't make an owner pay $3 billion up front. You pay it in installments. So, if the again, if the owners want to gain money back that they didn't earn during the pandemic, even if they say expansion happens now, they're not going to get all that money for another three or four years. So... If they, it doesn't make sense to me for them to push it down the road even further because if they don't, you know, start the process for another three years, then that means we're talking six, seven, eight years before owners actually get the expansion fee from the new teams. And if we're six, seven, eight years removed from the pandemic, you're not even really going to feel those losses anymore. You feel them right now. So optimistically, I'm looking at that saying, okay, they might, once this season is over, if they feel confident the next season can happen without postponements and with fans and arenas, then that might be when they say, all right, let's go. Let's do expansion. Let's get this started so we can start getting those expansion fee checks coming to the owners. So where's Las Vegas rank? I assume they're second. Um, behind, I mean, Seattle's obviously Seattle's, first. Seattle's first, I think. Everything would be Seattle. Every Everything you read about it says Las Vegas is always considered one of the, the top markets after that. The, the question I have is who's the ownership group? Like, is it MGM or is MGM, does the pandemic hit them hard enough that they're not going to be able to do that? That's my question is who's, who is the ownership group in Las Vegas that would make it happen? Because listen, like it it could be Bill Foley. It could be Mark Davis or a group of guys, like something like that. But who is it? That's, that's the question I have is who would be the ownership group if the NBA does decide to come to Vegas? Let me tell you something. I know only one thing about any of this. If it's Mark Davis, he will not need to find jobs for his players in the off season. (laughs) because <laughs> those guys those guys in the nba make enough they don't need an extra job on the side to make any kind of additional revenue not that that's uh you know that, that that's not against the rules but if he gets an nba team they'll be okay in the offseason those players <laughs> all right coming up next we'll jump into the nfl because jj watt signed with the arizona cardinals oh very odd i haven't done that in a while it's been like almost I don't know, a year and a half since we've had baseball and fans in the stands, so it was cool. Happy to have the fans back for sure. And locked it in, in the second inning, which is good, so felt good. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. 
Ed and I are at home, but Jared is in the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studio. Finley Toyota, here for you at FinleyToyota.com. So the big news in the NFL yesterday was J.J. Watt finally picked his destination, and he signed with the Arizona Cardinals. A two-year deal, $31 million total, 23 of that is guaranteed and well let, let's start here before we get to any sort of las vegas angle of this um it had long been assumed that it was you know buffalo pittsburgh green bay it had been reported that jj watt wanted to play for a contender he actually said that last year during the season that he wanted to play for a team that could contend for a championship so why the hell did he sign with arizona mm thought about this yesterday when we we saw it come across and i know what he said last year but and i'm as uh, at fault for this as anyone i know i said it when we talked about it at first um i can't remember what you said on this but i think often uh the people who do what we do whether it's radio newspaper whatever uh are bad at assuming things and I, you saw so many times and maybe it's what he said last year maybe it's because people remembered him saying that but at the end of the day, I think everyone, I saw people yesterday ripping him because he's like, oh, you're not going to a championship team. At the end of the day, he has the right to do whatever the hell he wants for his, for him and his family. And maybe this just came down to, you know what? He started thinking about it. I'm this old. My body is broken down. Let's see who gives me the most money. And that's his right. And like I said, I, I, I was saying it all along too. I was saying, no, no, he's got to go where he can win a ring. That's all he wants to do. We just assume that we know people like this and, Maybe he changed since last year. Maybe, uh, you know, he got he, he got married, I think, recently. Um, maybe they're saying, you know what? We don't have much time left. Let's just go for the most money. And that's his right. I mean, he, he should do what he wants. Now, I mean, he didn't go to a, you know, he didn't obviously go to the Chiefs or some of you say he's going to be a contender right away. But Murray, another year in the system. I mean, they were borderline. I think they were borderline wild card last year so. He didn't go to a dog team, but yeah, he obviously didn't go to one that people are going to pick to, you know, go deep in the playoffs at all. Yeah, and I, the money part's the interesting part with J.J. Watt because I am curious how much other teams yeah. were yeah. offering J.J. Watt. That's what I'm curious to know. Yes. And and maybe not so much the $31 million over two years, but the $23 million guaranteed. Because it, let me ask you this. If you're the Raiders, would you have been willing to give J.J. Watt a two-year deal where you're going to pay him $31 million, but only $23 million is guaranteed. So the way that contract could break down is, let's say, for year one, you're paying him $16 million, fully guaranteed. For year two, you're paying him $15 million, but only eight of it's guaranteed. And if you cut him after year one, you got an $8 million dead cap hit. If you're the Raiders, are you doing that? Boy, we asked this question yesterday. That was a tough one. We, you know, when he wanted, when when the, when the reports were he wanted seventeen to eighteen a year, or fifteen to sixteen a year. I kind of remember us saying I, that that was a lot. That was a lot for a guy his age, even though he plays the position they're most weak at, and they need someone at right away, if not you know one or two people right away who can make a difference from what they have. I, I'll tell you what, Tyler. I think I probably would have done it for him. Uh, I think I would have done it for the position he plays. And you got to hope maybe a year or two left. He's got a lot of juice in the tank. So it's a lot, I know. But if he said, I will come for this, I will be a Las Vegas trader for this, will you give it to me? I think I would have. And 
I don't know if they would. Obviously, we don't know what they offered. That's the best point you, know, you just made. Who knows how far off these other teams were, whether it's the Packers or the Steelers or the Raiders. How far off could they have been comparative to this? I I, I mean, if, if, the, if the Packers or the Steelers or someone like that offer the exact same money, I don't know if he's going to Arizona, right? That's what that's what you would assume. I mean, unless I mean, he just really didn't want to live in Pittsburgh yeah. or Green Bay. Right. Like, if right. he just was like, hey, let's go somewhere where it's warm. But, like, the idea that he signed with Arizona, to me, it, it jumped out if you're the Raiders and saying, okay, why why weren't you more involved in this? Because right. look, look at some of the Raiders' past signings on defense. Corey Littleton's going to make $27 million over the next two years. LaMarcus Joyner made $20 million the next two, and if he doesn't get cut, which he probably will – He'd make $22 million over the next two years as well. So would you rather have J.J. Watt for 31 or Littleton for 27 or Joyner for 22 yeah. Like, based on some of their past signings, the J.J. Watt contract is a no-brainer. Like, that's no yeah. doubt you would do that if you were the Raiders. Now, maybe some of those bad contracts is the reason they couldn't do it. Maybe some of those bad contracts, they're looking around saying, well, we don't have enough cap space because we've got to pay Corey Littleton a whole bunch of money the next two years, and he wasn't good enough for us. But, like, just to, I mean, take Trent Brown, for example. Trent Brown, the next two years, if he's under contract for the next two years, it's $29 million. It's unguaranteed. You can you can cut him. But, like, I think I'd rather have J.J. Watt than Trent Brown for $2 million more. million Oh, absolutely. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, especially from what they've gotten from Trent Brown. And I know J.J. Watt's had some injuries, but... You would think with a new contract and a new place, he'll do everything he can to be in incredible shape and come in and play. I don't think at all anyone ever said that about Trent Brown. I think a lot of the questions about him was his commitment and his commitment to being in shape. I don't think you can question J.J. Watt on that. He's had injuries, but I don't think anyone's ever said when he's healthy and in shape, he's not prepared. So on the Raiders' side of this, they don't get J.J. Watt. Um, I agree with you that I would have made that signing. If I'm the Raiders and it's 31 and 23, I'm making that signing for J.J. Watt because what I've been saying the entire offseason is I think they need some legitimate game changers, some players that could legitimately be top five or top ten at their position because the Raiders simply don't have many of those players on this team, and J.J. Watt would be one. That's why I think they should get Allen Robinson because Allen Robinson can be a top five wide receiver in the NFL. So they don't get J.J. Watt. The other defensive ends in free agency or they could hit free agency – uh, the best ones are Shaquille Barrett from Tampa Bay, Carl Lawson from Cincinnati, Yannick Ngakwe. Um, if the Raiders weren't willing, and, and we don't know that, but we can kind of assume maybe they weren't willing to go to $31 million for two years, are they willing to pay for Shaq Barrett, Carl Lawson, and Yannick Ngakwe, who were all yeah. cheaper, who all probably want more than two years and might get more money than J.J. Yeah. Watt? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I, again, I think it goes back to how far they were willing to go with Watt. If they were several million away and weren't even in the conversation, then who, you know, who would say they'll step up and pay those those guys any money? Now, some are younger, some haven't had his injury issues, so maybe they they would look on those guys differently than they do JJ Watt. But if they weren't in the ballpark for him, and I assume they called, I I, I can't believe they didn't make a run at him uh, and didn't get him. I don't know. Like I said, it's every every case is individual. Maybe they think a lot more about it. And here's the other thing. We don't know yet. Maybe they like another one of those a lot more, and they're going to make a stronger run than they did J.J. Watt. I mean, maybe that's the situation. Maybe it wasn't the money for J.J. Watt, but they also know who's coming on the market, and they like someone better of the three you just said. We'll have yeah. to wait and see when free agency starts and the league year starts. You know, 
two days into it, if they sign Shaq Barrett, it's like, okay, now we got why you didn't go after J.J. Watt. Yeah, and that's a good point. Because J.J. Watt was released by the Texans, he was basically... Yeah, he, free agent. It's two weeks before free yeah. agency starts for guys that are still under contract with their team. So Watt was in a different scenario where if he's not your top priority, you're probably not going to offer him a big deal. Whereas if J.J. Watt became a free agent at the same time as everybody else, then okay, you missed on your top priority. You can quickly move to J.J. Watt. But in this yeah. timeline... J.J. Watt's gone before you can even have a run at, if let's just say, Shaq Barrett's their top option. Even if you miss, you know, you miss out on Shaq Barrett, J.J. Watt's already gone before that. So that is a good point. Timing-wise, if they like Shaq Barrett or Carl Lawson or anybody else a lot more, that J.J. Watt being a secondary option doesn't really work for the Raiders. Now, you're still calling. You're still calling to say, hey, oh, you, uh, have to. Yeah. What, you know, what what does it take for J.J. Watt? Because if Watt says, if, if his agent says, oh, He'd love to play in Las Vegas. Sure. He'll he'll do it for ten million a year. Yeah, you're yeah. saying, all right, come on, we're yeah. done. So you still have to make the call, even if yeah. ultimately you're not going to get him. Right, and again, we don't know how close. You know, like everybody, I'm sure they've got a board and they rank free agents. And you know, I mean, if JJ Watt was close to the top, or they didn't see a ton of difference, absolutely. If you could get him, you just end it and get him. But obviously, they didn't. So it'll be when the when the league year opens here in a couple weeks, I believe. It'd be really interesting to see how how quickly those guys are gone or make decisions and where the Raiders stand on them. Did you see the fake Peloton account for JJ Watt yesterday? Um, yeah, I I I kind of saw some headlines. <laughs> I thought it was. I'm actually looking out my office right now at the Peloton, so JJ uh, okay. Watt is not okay. on it this morning. Um, you, you need but, to explain to me Peloton accounts. Like you have an account, like it's Twitter. Yes. Yeah, and you have uh, like a bio. You can post. You can not absolutely. post, but you can like update yeah, your you bio can have, you can have like I'm, I'm linked to different friends some of the people you know that have peloton bikes you can go for rides for them you can you can you can invite them to rides uh i was on one a couple weeks ago a guy had a birthday ride and it was just people he knew and you do the ride together and yeah i mean it's like it's a it's a connection it's like you know a peloton connection that you can connect yourself to people you have your you have your um profile which says all your rides how how many miles you've done how many calories you burned over since you've had the bike yeah i mean it's a whole network the, I, I, the, I saw the headline on J.J. Watt. I didn't understand if that many had a peloton or not. The, so what happened yesterday is there was a screenshot shared on Twitter, and it was supposedly J.J. Watt's peloton account, and I guess his bio said Tennessee, Green Bay, or Buffalo. And that was it. That's all it said. Now, like a couple hours later, J.J. Watt tweeted, I don't even have a bike. So yeah. J.J. Watt yeah. was saying, I don't have a Peloton account that's giving out hints about where I'm going in free agency. And then shortly after that, J.J. Watt had signed with the Arizona Cardinals. So it was clearly a fake. But I was just, I was, of all the like social media reporting that happens where we're trying to find clues on where guys are signing or getting traded to or committing in college, like, of all the things I've never seen, oh, his Peloton account yeah. said he's interested well, in Tennessee, Green Bay, and Buffalo. He he definitely was going to be the one to break the story because I'm sure you saw the uh, tweet of yes. him lifting, and it said, source, me, as if uh, I will tell you where I'm going by the shirt I'm wearing and don't listen to anyone else. So I forget, I, when you sign up for Peloton, though, you actually have to give your name. I mean, you have to, so maybe someone created a fake account. You do have to, like, give your name and your information and everything so people can kind of find you. So maybe someone had way too much time on their hands and was able to create a J.J. Watt Peloton account. 
A burner I mean, peloton. No, that's yeah. that's got to be aspirational, right? Like, if I name myself J.J. Watt, I'll train like J.J. Watt. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we'll jump into a uh, a fun story. And uh, speaking of burner accounts, this might be the best burner account we've ever seen in sports, but we're going to have to go to Spain to find it. Here comes Doncic, fakes the three, goes left to Porzingis, in the lane for Luka, and then back out to Finney Smith. Down low for Doncic for the dunk. How about that for some in-and-out basketball? There it is, good looking. It be for three from out top and in. Little two-for-one scenario, and he knocks down a triple. Five straight by the big man. We're excited to play basketball, go back to where James had a great career. We're looking forward to the experience, looking forward to having fun. It's going to be high competitive, a lot of great players, no animosity on the court, just greatness on display. Everybody at home, enjoy the game. There will be no tension and no talking going on on the court or about James and my presence or anybody else's presence. So we're coming to Houston to enjoy the game of basketball and play it at a high level on behalf of James and the rest of the guys because we know it's a, it's a special night regardless. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Get out of here, Kyrie. All we want is bleep talking. That's all we want. We should never, never discourage bleep talking among players going back to their former teams. All right. How often did that get say James? <laughs> who, who calls James Harden just James, by the way? Yeah, that's a strange thing. Uh, If anybody calls him Jimmy, that person needs to get punched in the throat. (laughs) All right. This might be the best burner Twitter account story that we've ever had in sports because Barcelona's former president was arrested yesterday. So was their current CEO. Now, the accusation here is that Barcelona hired a company to improve their social media. That's not an accusation. That actually did happen. They hired a company to improve their social media. The accusation is that they then paid this company under the table to create accounts on Twitter, Facebook, wherever else, to talk poorly about people that were critical of the team president. And that meant that these accounts were attacking people like the former coach of Barcelona, Pep Guardiola, former players, and current players, including Lionel Messi. Those are the accusations here. And yesterday, they were arrested for this. So what we've basically found out here is that Barcelona, their former president, he didn't go the Kevin Durant route um, and make his own burner account. He didn't even have like a family member make a burner account to defend him on Twitter. He hired a whole company to make burner accounts to defend him on Twitter. That's the best burner account story I've ever heard. I, What am I missing that this guy should not be given a parade instead of arrested? <laughs> I, I'm missing something here. I, this, this is very creative by this guy. I, mean, I, I give the guy props. I, you know, Durant was, one, Durant was one thing with the burner accounts, like as, as incredible athlete he was. I mean, very insecure, but... You know, this kid uh, hired entire companies. I mean, I, I I should think they some some team would want this guy, guy just for the ingenuity and the creativity. Instead, <laughs> they're instead they're arresting this poor guy. Well, you see, the problem is is he hired these accounts 
to attack the most popular player that's ever played for well, Barcelona. Like maybe that's, that's really resident because you can't yes. say anything bad about Messi. Yes, like if he if he had hired burner accounts to just like yell at fans or something like that, that might be a, more acceptable. But because you attacked Lionel Messi, that's probably a bad <laughs> thing to do. Should should we be hiring burner accounts for anything about our team that we like in uh, Australia or whatever that is? What's that Western, team that we like? Uh, yeah. Oh, they lost. They lost two nothing over the night. It wasn't oh, wasn't good. I can't believe I didn't know that. But uh, wasn't a should good there be burner accounts on our end, uh, like pumping people up over there? Or we, we, we is our team good enough to where I, we don't need that? Uh, we are definitely not good enough to where we don't need that. Um, <laughs> no, nah, that is not accurate. Uh, three four and three <laughs> is our record, Ed. Ooh. So. God, I will no wonder s- I didn't want to. No wonder I didn't want a jersey. Hey, the jerseys are awesome, <laughs> and also, but I will say that 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 Wanderers Twitter is kind of a love fest. I haven't I haven't seen the like the meltdowns yet, yet. But I've only sort of like dipped my toe into Wanderers Twitter. But I think we're overperforming this year, even though we're yes. three wins, four draws, three losses. We're in we're in fourth place, and I think that's overperforming this year. So. Nobody's angry yet. I assume once once we actually blow our spot in the playoffs, then we might have some actual meltdowns on Twitter. Oh, well, also the stadium is open, and so it just seems like all the fans are like, we get to see the team! <laughs> That's all that matters. But, Ed, once, uh, yes, once, once our Western Sydney Wanderers start to struggle, we might need to create some burner accounts to start... Yes. Uh, I don't know who yeah, would we start... who would we who would we be attacking if we made. I, I have no idea who's even runs the team, but we should attack that person. Well, do we get mad at the coach or the or manager, or do we get mad at the owners? I don't well, know who we get mad at. We get we mad... haven't been fans long enough to know who we should maybe, be mad at. Well, maybe we get mad at Steven. Oh, we no, can get mad yeah. at Steven. <laughs> Create five burner accounts that just yes. attack Steven instead. Yes. Yes, I mean that also isn't nice. That that represents our entire Australian contingent. <laughs> well, he'll know. He listens. He'll know yeah. what it is. Paul Letterer, that's the uh, CEO or chairman oh. of our team. That's yeah, who we get doing mad his at. Job very well. Yeah, that's who we get mad at. I don't know. I don't know anything else about Paul Letterer other than his <laughs> name is on the Wikipedia to tell me he's in charge. He he got awarded the uh, Medal of Order in Australia for his service to soccer. Oh, no, that wasn't him. His uncle did. Okay, good. We can still oh. be mad at him. We can just say Jimmy he's Le- not. So, Jimmy all right. Here's, here's, our, here's our burner account strategy here. We'll create them and just tell, we'll tell Paul Letterer that he's not as good as his uncle. Yes, yes. That if his uncle was running Letterer. the team. Yeah, if his uncle was running the team, we might actually be good for once. So, that's the way we go about this, is we, we attack be... Paul Letterer. We will all be arrested and extradited and uh, have lunch with Steven before they take us away. <laughs> will they let us have lunch with Steven? <laughs> yes, I think the deal will be we'll come and you can arrest us, but we need to have lunch with Steven. Also, for those of you that are confused, yes. Steven is our listener in Australia who convinced us to pick an Australian A-League soccer team. Mm-hmm. So we picked the rival of Steven's favorite team, Western yes. Sydney Wanderers. And uh, yeah, they're still in a playoff spot. They got off to a good start, but it hasn't been good lately. Uh, Mike, just, Ed, just we just need to make the playoffs. That's the goal here. Be top six of the 12-team league, make the playoffs, and then we can get angry when we get eliminated in the first round. Because I assume there's a first round. I don't know how this happens.